Welcome to the Key Podcast. Uh, man, you'd think that I'd sound a lot happier after a double overtime Virginia Tech men's basketball team win over University of Virginia, but we just hit record three minutes after an email saying that Chris Clark tore his ACL. So we're going to have to start talking about that first. Uh, I'm joined, as always... The other, the other two thirds of the basketball trio: Pearson Boer, Joey Coogan. Uh, Pearson, can you make me less sad? No, um, this is absolutely devastating. I mean, to to lose a guy like Clark with so much athleticism, and bounce, um, his ability to play both ways, and and really um, lead this team in so many different ways is tough. I think the most com- the, the challenging part of all this is the bind that it's going to put buzz in with regard to his rotation. You know, now they're down to seven men. Um, they're down another post player and it's trial by fire for Mr. Hitting C. So um, how the team's able to bounce back and how quickly he and, and Ty Outlaw are going to be able to grow up is going to be huge. Joey. I, I cannot make you any less sad. I'm actually just, searching the internet right now looking for Chris Clark gifts to try to cheer myself up, but it's not working. I mean, it's, I think Pearson used the word devastating. It's, it's pretty devastating. We, we saw, we saw him drive the, we, we saw him drive the lane and and he, and he went up against Isaiah Wilkins and the way he came down, you know, there's, there's those times in football where, you know, a guy towards ACL. It's usually on a cut, you know, a running back or receiver or something like that cuts in the open field and he goes down and just the way he falls, the way he kind of crumples, you know, you know it. And in basketball, it's the same way. And it's, it's almost always on either a jump or a land where he just goes up and something doesn't just, something doesn't go right. And the moment he hits the floor, you know, it's over. And I, I had a little bit of that feeling in my gut. The, uh, the last, when he, when he, when he fell, crumpled to the castle floor in, in the second half of uh, the win over UVA. I found myself uh, trying to cope with it by uh, talking myself into positivity, like, oh, you know, he he wasn't screaming out in too much pain. Then when I saw him on the bench, I started Slack messaging our uh, photographer, Mark Kamansky, who was on the sideline. I said, Mark, give me a status update as to how he's moving around out there. And Mark said, he seems good. He's jumping in the huddle. He seems active. And so I went to bed thinking this wouldn't be quite so bad, and then here we go, ready to pod, and uh, just a gut punch. Yeah, so so thanks, thanks a lot, Mark. Really great doctor work there. <laughs> okay. I will say, and, and this, is, this is a bit of playing the results, Virginia Tech won with Chris Clark on the bench for most, uh, the majority of the second half and both overtimes. And their offense played pretty well so I, I i know chris he he's the he's the ball handler that they love to have he 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 swings the ball around he he plays really he plays kind of the middle of a zone if any if tech plays any zones and, he, and he's one of the best rebounders on the team probably the second best rebounder after zach Liday. but is there any way that this makes tech's offense better because and I know it's 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 brutal to say that right after a guy gets injured, but if you just look at the way Tech's roster is made up, with it's basically a bunch of dudes who can shoot, 
surrounded by one post player. Chris Clark does not fit that. He can't shoot, and he he's he's great at getting to the hole. He's great at finding open guys, but he can't shoot, and that that hurts everything else that Tech does offensively. If you look at their best game of the year, Tech's best game of the year, it was against Duke. I think Chris Clark, I think due to foul trouble, only played 15 minutes, something like that, 17 minutes. And so is there any way that this actually can spin slightly, just ever so slightly positively for Tech in the short term? Pearson, want to try the spin zone? Yeah, so I, I think there are two two components to this that work uh, in the team's favor. One is we were talking about this during the game last night when Brian mentions the fact that he can't shoot. You're, as the season goes on, we're really starting to see more and more teams play to that, and UVA was backing off. They started to clog the lane, waiting for the inevitable drive, and then Clark, to his credit, he's a gamer. He's attacking the rim, but it, it almost seems like 25% of the time it, it goes in. The rest is just forcing shots. Um, the other side to it, too, is I think as he's gotten stronger and stronger as the year's gone, gone on, he's gotten more confident, maybe in a detrimental way, where he'll have the ball at the perimeter and he just starts handling the ball like he's running point. Right. And his handles maybe aren't as strong as some of the other guys, but more importantly, I don't think he has quite the court awareness that a guy like um, Justin Robinson or, or Seth Allen has. So while he does occasionally make some slick passes, his ability to really break down defenses and then curl around and find wide open guys as opposed to, you know, quick bullet passes and dishes that they don't they're not as effective. He doesn't open up the floor quite as much. And I think because of that, he's kind of slowing down the way that, that this offensive system is meant to operate. I mean, I, I think one thing that really jumps out at me is, you know, at the surface, this kind of points to mortality outlaw, which is <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You 100% know how you feel about it. Yeah, Joe, can we you just can we just hear it from you straight? We know that you're uh, not the president of his fan club, but I think you need to at least acknowledge that he put on his big boy pants last night when when necessary. Yeah, I mean, hey, Buzz drew up the tie outlaw play, and <laughs> I mean, he got his big offensive rebound, forced overtime. I mean, it was quite the play. But yeah, you sound so salty. Game. You sound so salty. Like it, it, <laughs> you just you just spent you spent forty minutes just shitting on him during the uh, <laughs> during the whole game on Twitter on the key play sponsored <laughs> Twitter feed, and he ends up with the biggest or the second biggest bucket of the game the the tying okay. the tying basket to send to overtime. I was in no way shitting on him on the basketball Twitter Do, feed. Should I? Should there I... was one tweet. There was one tweet. Yeah, that, and that's all. That's all you need. But, it was a... but so, anyways, where I was going with all of this is obviously Outlaw will see his minutes increase, but I think even more importantly is is Justin Robinson and Seth Allen are going to be playing together a, a ton more, um, and that creates issues defensively, obviously, because Allen and Robinson not the greatest on ball defenders, not blessed with great size, but offensively, I mean, trying to match up and trying to go guard two two left-handed really point guards that can take you to the rim and you know be decent three-point shooters is is really tough I mean we saw it against Duke they just had absolutely no answer for Robinson and Allen so that's kind of the one thing that that does excite me a little bit but yeah I mean ultimately devastating news for uh for Chris Clark and it's it's really brutal for what this means in the future because 
Tech, I mean, he's he's so young that Buzz could have built around what he can do. I mean, he still can because it, it's it's still an ACL and he'll have surgery and he'll come back, but Buzz could have built around him more so, especially with Allen gone as the the real secondary ball handler and and things could have things could have moved a little bit better, but you have no idea what an injury like this is going to do to someone's explosiveness. I mean, sometimes people come back, no no problem, and then sometimes we just saw Jabari Parker tear his second ACL in three years, same knee. Uh, it's just some guys can't just can't come back. It's, it's pretty devastating. Circle back to Ty Outlaw, I found the tweet. Um, if you had told me Ty Outlaw was hitting the game-tying shot to send believe this yourself, overtime, believe yourself, believe yourself. I'd have, I'd have slapped the f out of you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're killing it, man. Um, I okay. So again, it's gonna be trial by fire now. Kadeem C. It's gonna. I mean, you're gonna have to see minutes, pretty decent minutes from Ty Outlaw. But if you go back to Duke, here's the minute breakdown. Justin Robinson played 39. Hill played 36, Allen played 32, Lede played 31, Bibbs 24, and then Clark 16, Outlaw 13, C9. So that, that would be 16 minutes of, of Clark playing there. Tech put up 89 points against one of probably the best 10 teams in the country. Now, they didn't have a good day, obviously. They were without Grayson Allen, but they still they were incredibly successful without Clark for the majority of the game. And Clark was in foul trouble that game, right? That's why his minutes were so low. Yeah, he had, he had a little bit. He had three. He ended the game with three fouls, but I think after a while, Buzz was just rolling with what was working, which is which is kind of what we saw last night as well. With I, he didn't really have a choice but rolling with the the five guard line, the five guard lineup with Ty Outlaw playing the five, which was uh, that was an experiment. <laughs> I, yeah, I never, you, you hear, I never he, want to see Ty the, Outlaw. I never want to see Ty Outlaw in pick and roll defense again. I, I, we're going to see it a lot of it and, it, and it kind of bums me out. But it it's it's tough on him because he's he's obviously that he's playing a position that he's not supposed to play. But there there were moments of just of utter chaos with a Parentes uh, Parentes Wilkins or Parentes Salt pick and rolls after after Lede fouled out. Especially it was uh, it was it was pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Buzz said it best after the game. He he called it scrambled eggs. Overtime was just playing with scrambled eggs. I mean, it was <laughs> it, it was it was it was a lineup that I don't think they've probably ever practiced. Oh and, no way! I mean, I think, Zero chance, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't even you can't draw that up. I mean, Clark goes down, Lede fouls out, and then you're stuck with ultimately at ten more minutes, and then whatever was left in regulation when when Lede fouled out. So more than a half of basketball. Was, with just a, a smorgasbord of hokies. Is there is there a <laughs> is that a lineup that he can kind of roll out in spurts, especially to to kind of get some funky looks on defense? Because he because Bennett had to make the Wahoos go small in overtime, basically to match up with all five guards being on the floor for Tech, and I. I, I think it's it's at least interesting to consider. It's going to be a, an absolute travesty, especially against bigger teams. Like it's it's almost impossible to play them against bigger teams, but it does present an interesting matchup problem 
Yeah, I mean, you really force teams' hands when you go that small. It's either, you know, one, we're going to stay big and, and get crushed on the, on the defensive end, or, or two, we're going to go small with you. And, and then Buzz kind of hopes that, that his athletes are better than your athletes. And, yeah. and last night in overtime, you know, it worked out for Tech. Yeah, I worry a little bit about, you know, as Brian said, their ability to hang with the larger teams. I mean, ultimately, one team has to dictate the pace of the game. And if the other team just refuses to to play into Buzz's hands and, you know, play against the pace as a way to sort of slow the game down uh, or maybe have some guys back to blow up the transition game that Tech's going to want to get out in when they play with that five-man lineup, I mean, that's ultimately going to be the problem. So I think... If Buzz can figure out a way to implement that system and and be the aggressor and dictate that pace of play, it could be successful. Otherwise, it's it's going to be tough to watch them down the stretch. I'm a little I worried. Mean, cra- Joe, you go. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is that, like, Tech's situation would lend you to believe that they're going to obviously want, want to go small and, and run up and down the court playing transition, but then you look at the bench and they basically have seven guys. So it's like... Yeah, we'd love to go fast, but like, can we really afford to run when you have two subs? I, I think Matt. that's a bit of a misnomer, though. I've I've always thought it was a bit of a misnomer about this tech team about how much they run because they they do get out in transition, but they don't. I mean, their adjusted their adjusted tempo is ninetieth in the country, right? Via Ken Palm, like they don't go up and down. They're not like uh, what are some some of those crazy like like Manhattan or whatever, or, or Iona, that just, like, run up and down the floor. They, they're they just decent to pretty good, especially with Chris Clark, so poor one out, at getting into transition at opportune times, right? So off a rebound or creating a, or creating a steal. But the, I'm not, I'm not going to say that they play fast all the time. And that's no, something I, you, you can do without you know, without a five guard lineup, I, I, even yeah. if C's just sort of trailing behind, he's still athletic enough to be effective, um, you know, as the pace kicks up, but you're absolutely right. I mean, the offense is more, um, deadly when they're playing that type of game, when that threat of them getting out and running is existent, you know, when I, I obviously with Clark, that adds a completely different dimension. And so without him, they're going to have to play catch up. And I, I don't think anybody's going to argue with you that Ty Outlaw can't hold a candle to Chris Clark in terms of athleticism. But um, compare him to a guy like Lede, and you know now we're talking, he can get out and do a couple more things and look half as awkward. Um, so, <laughs> it, I mean, it's po- it's a possibility that they can really make some moves with that lineup. I still think that they, they'd be more effective with C playing in a traditional five role. If anything does happen to Ladey, you know he gets into foul trouble as he's prone to do playing with that, you know, menacing grid and killer instinct of his. I think we're going to see more of that. I, I think I think we're going to see a lot more. See, it it was interesting. Um, Ladey sat a lot of the first half, and it wasn't because of foul trouble. It just it's just because he wasn't playing well. Um, and and C got a C got a bunch of run there. It kind of outside of his normal first four minutes minutes of each half thing. And it, it was it was interesting to watch. I mean, his hands aren't there. He dropped a <laughs> lot of passes. But it, it was a nice it was a nice little wrinkle uh to, to Tech's game. They they actually had a relative win, rim protector. They they had a guy who can finish who can finish at the rim, which is actually Huge. I mean, he started the game what five for five, something like that, 
four for four. It was he he definitely he definitely can play. He definitely added a, just a little bit of something that that they made it might have been lacking the last couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, after years of of tech fandom and just big guy after big guy coming in as freshman and just being miserable pretty much um c has kind of been a refreshing change of pace i mean he's way more refined than i than i thought he would be um i mean like you said hands of stone just awful hands right now um but he at least gives them an option that that buzz can go you know play 15 20 minutes a game if he has to um i mean in freshman big men in the past in blacksburg you you, can, you couldn't expect that at all so i mean c is not you know a, a great option but he's certainly serviceable to, to circle back to Lede too, I mean, you guys can tell me if you think I'm a little crazy on this, but and maybe, and maybe I'm just overanalyzing. But I feel like of late, I said a similar comment um, with regard to Clark. I feel like he starts to press a little, almost as though he he puts a lot on his shoulders. He kind of feels like there's this expectation, especially in big games, where he's supposed to provide the spark. He's supposed to be the consistent scorer. He's supposed to... To, to be that rock for them. And when they were struggling in the first half and the game, you know, like every tech game was a game of runs and they would close the lead down and no sooner they do that, but UVA would extend it again. And he would just, you know, make these erratic drives and take some over the shoulder, awkward shots. And he was trying to force things. And I, I don't know if that's sitting well with Buzz is it's becoming much more habitual. I, I think that, he might be the one to benefit most from Clark not being able to play. Because the staple of Lede's game is taking a guy who's bigger and more awkward than him off the dribble from from kind of like the elbow. Because then he can set up all of those weird old man post-up moves. But he he needs uh, the threat of a guy not really able to to know what he's going to do from, from 10 feet out. And he was driving basically into two dudes it was he was driving into his defender and Clark's defender because Clark is no threat to score consistently especially in ACC play once the secret was out that Clark couldn't shoot and so he might he might have he might have a little bit more Mm. I mean I think we've touched on a lot of the positives that came out of that game specifically being able to win without their two best front court players um, you know, not having Lede, not having Clark down the stretch and being forced to play with this seven-man lineup that, or really six-man lineup that focused on two guys whose minutes have been 12 or under for most of the season, I think was inspiring and makes you feel a little bit better knowing that Clark's gone. However, um, I think that, you know, aside from it reinforcing a couple of things we already suspected, I still, there are a couple of things that I, continue to worry about it's med hills inability to play consistently kind of want to put out an apb for his three-point shooting um yeah he's actually it's pretty rough i just yeah i looked it up before we started potting he's shooting 29 percent from distance in conference play and he's two of 13 in his last four games and that's you know when you compare that to how he played in the early part of the season i mean it's just he's a shell of himself right now and you can see it you know he continues to shoot with confidence which i I think we can all appreciate, but at the same time, I mean, he's really got to step up his game and play with a little bit more consistency on both ends of the floor if this team wants to be able to sniff any sort of uh, success in the postseason. Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact buzz quote, but I think he 
summed it up with like grit and toughness. I mean, losing Clark, um, losing O'Day, like Pearson said, playing one of the, the slowest teams in the country and and frankly one of the best teams in the country. I mean, I'm not sold on UVA as a as a Final Four contender, but but they're pretty good, just like always. Um, but being able to come back, I mean, it's it's impressive and it's encouraging that you know maybe all hope is not lost for these you know last whatever it is six games. Um, can, can I just can I just make a quick statement too? Can we give it a shout give a shout out to the Castle Guard and the fans? I mean, if you think back to how I don't know inconsistent this team was at home, uh, no matter how good or bad they were, you know, with under Buzz, especially in the last few years, the fan base has really worked with the team to create a pretty incredible home atmosphere, um, and I think the. Tech's ability to not only come back but stay in that game all the way down to the end has to be due in part to the amount of energy that we're getting on a consistent basis from the home crowd. It's not, it's not nervousness. It's it's very much engagement and and really pushing them on. And I think that's a really exciting thing. As somebody who lives far away now and has to watch on TV, it's palpable just coming through the screen. Yeah, my dad has season tickets, and he goes because my parents retired up there uh, a couple years ago. And he he gives me kind of status reports every game. So like so yesterday he he texted me. He's like, "Oh, it's 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 pretty full in here. It's gonna get hot. Gonna get loud." And I mean, I knew exactly what he meant by that because you've been in those games in Castle where it gets hot, and if you're not ready for it, especially if you don't play there, you know, if you're the opponent, you're not really ready for how warm it gets, and it and it can kind of fatigue you. And in the second half, Tech. Ran Louisville, or ran uh, UVA down a little bit. I mean, UVA didn't. Outside of Parentes, a lot of those other guys didn't really have the legs, and the, and a lot of guys were pulling at their shorts by the at the end of the game. Not to mention first and second overtimes. It was, it's fun when Castle gets a little bit crazy, and 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 it's fun when people actually care about Tech hoops, and they've. I mean, they've played. They've come out pretty well. They've come out pretty well this whole season and and the last season for the most part, to be honest. Brian, you know were the, you Brian, were you were you at the Oklahoma State game? Like yeah, yeah. Five or, I mean, to this day, the, the way the Castle Guard and and really all of Castle just gave Marcus Smart hell for forty straight minutes was like the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh yeah, I mean, and, I was at I was at the. You're 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 a youngin, but I was at the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at the game where the tech students just decided to boo Seth Curry for 40 minutes or whatever. Like <laughs> they, they did the who's your daddy chance, which, which was funny and it got on sports center, but they booed him every time he touched the ball. Does it matter that he did anything? No, he's like one of the quietest opponents that I've ever seen. He didn't talk. He didn't do anything, but they just decided to boo him. And he, if memory serves me right, he did not shoot very well. It, like it was just weird, but, but kind of fun. Like they didn't know. No one did anything malicious. Just, when it when it feels like the boos are just cascading down on you for because that it, castle's built so high that all the all the yelling and all the boos are coming from basically straight down from the top and so it just it can kind of break someone it, it's it's uh it's pretty fun yeah I think I think Doctor Umansky tweeted this out last <laughs> night that he was that he was saying you know when when castle is you know as rowdy as it gets that it's even even more impressive and more, you know, scary or whatever you want to call it than Lane is. 
And I almost agree. Like when, yeah. when Castle gets, when, and it's only happened a handful of times um, the last few years, but when Castle gets really, really full and really, really rowdy, I mean, it's, that place shakes. Like, it's it, it because literally it's, shakes. It's because it's so small that everyone who goes for the most part you have to want to go to a Tech basketball game. There's so many tickets available for Tech football that you can go and not be super invested. If you're one of the whatever it is, 3,000, or I don't know, 8,000, how many ever people it holds, people who goes to a Tech basketball game, like you have to want to be there. And that translates in the noise and, and how crazy people get. So are they are they going to the tournament? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah yes yes they're they're gonna go to the tournament i mean if you're looking at the remaining schedule you got um you got pit on to or tomorrow today i guess if the podcast is getting released tomorrow um followed by louisville clemson boston college miami wake forest so if you figure that nine and nine in, in the acc with wins over duke and uva um and then wins over syracuse wins over clemson um so go nine and nine in the ACC, get it to five hundred. That that only takes three more wins, um, and just circling at Pitt, at Boston College, home against Miami, home against Wake Forest, and home against Clemson. I mean that's five winnable games right there. Obviously at Louisville is, I would chalk up as a loss. A game they're probably going to be double digit dogs in, but there's there's three more winnable games on the schedule, and I think that's all it's going to take for them. Um, it won't be easy, especially without Chris Clark, but. Um, I would say it's doable. I agree with Joey 100%. I mean, I feel like it's it's take care of business. You know, I, I think going to pit Tuesday is going to be tough on short rest and trying to adapt to this new lineup. Louisville, uh, uh, Louis, Louisville is going to kill them. That's going to be a rough <laughs> game to watch. <laughs> and I'm I'm covering that game, and I, I I like to joke with my wife that I I enjoy writing about the games where the teams play bad because it's just so much easier. There's like this fire in your belly, but oh, it's I not disagree. Fun. There yeah, there's some just, games there's some games that you just circle and you just you just hold your you just hold the head in your hands and you just know it's going to be bad. Oh and, yeah, no 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 no. I'm talking purely about writing. I'm not talking about <laughs> watching it. Pearson, you, I think I think I'm busy on Saturday, but I'll send you some uh, some strip club jokes for Twitter uh, for my boy my boy Rick. Oh, I thought it was gonna, it was going to be Luke Luke tweets just so I can <laughs> make sure everybody still thinks that uh, we're a Duke basketball Twitter handle. No, no, um, just just a Luke Kennard Twitter handle. Just a Luke Kennard Twitter handle. Um, yeah, Harry, Joey, do you, and, do you have that do you have that Luke Kennard fathead yet for your bedroom wall? Yeah, it's it's hanging up in my living room. Do you make out with it every day before you go to bed? <laughs> Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, when we, we always sort of want to hit the pause button and not jump to conclusions when it comes to this time of year when Tech's, you know, a bubble team. And I think we all think back to the year that they was that they beat Duke and Dick Vitale said, all right, there's your signature win. There's your signature win. They're in. And then we, we were all left, you know, as one of the last four out and feeling absolutely devastated on, on Selection Sunday. And so I think this year is different because we already had that that big win and then adding the win against UVA gives you that second piece. Plus the fact that I think they now have five wins over top 50 teams. Um, and they're out of conference schedule. While doesn't rate high. The fact that they went to Michigan and won the fact that they have some 
you know, wins over decent name programs. Nebraska, Texas A&M was a tough loss. Uh, they beat Ole Miss. They maybe don't have look as good on paper, but at the same time, um, it's not you know Maryland Eastern Shore. Right. So uh, I, they challenge themselves as much as you can challenge yourselves um, without being a marquee team, which we've talked about in the past. So I think right now, just you can only control what you can control. So make sure you take care of business against the teams that you're supposed to, and and try not to completely lose it but you know as we've talked about this entire podcast the absence of chris clark is going to be challenging and it's going to have an adjustment period and let's hope that they can bounce back against Pitt. i will say though that like in other years clark tearing his acl at this point in the year would have been just an absolute just death just death knell for for their season for their tournament chances like other other rosters would not have would would not have fared as well as I think this one might, and that's really a testament to Buzz because he has a roster that can sustain something like this. He has a roster that can sustain something like Blackshear missing the entire year. Uh, you know, a, a guy who was a solid contributor as a freshman looking to looking to contribute even more his second year. I mean, in in a quick time, he's been able to build something that. That, like they'll be, I think they'll be okay. I, I I don't know what we'll see, and I and I'm interested to see how they come out uh, against Pitt. But I think, I think they'll be okay. I, I I think they'll make the tournament as a as kind of a eight through ten. They they'll have the the bottom part of the buys and and will, and that'll be good enough for this year, right? Like it it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, I think the ceiling was was actually pretty high for this team. If you don't lose Clark, if you don't yeah. if you don't lose Blackshear, um, and I, I think, like I said, I, I'm somewhat confident. I don't know if confidence is the right word, but if I was a betting man, which unfortunately I am, I would bet on them making the tournament. But I just can't imagine them making a run. It's the 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 talent, the the size, it's just not there. I mean, I think. I think they've really come together and they really came together in the, in both overtimes last night, but they're just going to be so overmatched. I mean, the Louisville game is, is going to be just absurd to watch. I mean, I, like I, I hope they, they play well. I hope they challenge them and I hope they win, but I mean, Louisville's got some size. They've got some, some really athletic guards. Donovan Mitchell's having a hell of a year. I mean, it's, let's not look at them though. Let's look, let's look at the games that they're supposed to win or at least supposed to compete. And so what do they have to do to beat Pitt? Like can can they? It's going to be tough, I think, to avoid a letdown. I think the challenge with Pitt is matching up with their lineup. I mean, they roll out a starting lineup of that six seven six seven six seven six nine and six six, and then they bring Rizel Nix, who's six eleven three hundred and the largest baddest man in college basketball off the bench. Yeah, he's so, he's at least four hundred. There's no that's way a, he's gonna, a, there's no way he's going to get run game. against Tech. Buzz will run him off the floor in two minutes. I still think we'll get some time and we'll just get to see him try and punish somebody down low, whether or not it's effective. And instead he's sort of like the train at the end of the Tour de France, just sort of like (laughs) coming out in the back of the mountain stages, the big strong men, that might be the case, but he'll get some minutes, but they run out a small, you know, seven, eight man max rotation as well. So um, my biggest concern is, you know, artists, and young, and whether or not the Hokies' wings can contain them, and if they are, they're forced, which they're almost likely to do, to, to play their little uh, charade game 
out of a zone defense. You know, can they keep them from getting crushed from distance? Cam Johnson for uh, for Pitt is just he's been shooting lights out from distance in the games that he, that Pitt's come up big against better teams. He's been you know, one of the big big components to their their uh, performances. So you know how well they can stem that bleeding could be uh, could go a long way. Yeah, I mean, I was courtside for the for the SC tournament last year, and Cam Johnson, I think he's listed as 6'8". That yeah. dude's a freak. Yeah. Like, I would I would assume Tech is going to play zone. Like, they, they don't match up with Pitt at all. Um, but Cam Johnson at 6'8", young artist, 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". I mean, that's – Pitt's got a lineup. Obviously, they're not very – they're kind of a – I guess the running joke with Pitt over the last five, five, ten years has been they shoot – like the weirdest shot selection of 18 foot mid range jump shots. And Jamie Dixon is somehow like was fine with it forever. Um, but I mean, I would, I would zone pit and I would, and kind of just pack it in, hope to get as many rebounds as you can and, and run offensively. Just, uh, just to let you know, uh, Syracuse most recently tried to zone pit, uh, pit grabbed 15 offensive rebounds mm-hmm. and your boy Cameron Johnson hit six of eight threes. Yeah, the dude's nasty. It, that, that's the thing but, that's gonna that's gonna concern me the most is the one problem with Tech's lineup. The well, the one problem, the biggest problem is that Robinson and Allen playing together are so small, and it's it's yeah. one of the most effective things they do offensively. But they're so small, and they like they can play really good defense for twenty five seconds, and someone can still get a shot over them. It's just it's it's sometimes it it can be just brutal. So I don't know. I thought they had a little bit more success playing some man. I would say against especially against UVA, but I I don't know what they're gonna do. Cause oh, I mean I I hate tech zone defense. It's I, bad. I think they're I think they're terrible at it, and I've been a vocal proponent of them playing man against most teams. But kind of similar to North Carolina. I just don't think Pitt's a team that they can match up with, especially without Chris Clark. So you, do we all think Pitt's going to lose? Or, I mean, Tech's going to lose to Pitt? Uh, probably. I haven't, <laughs> seen a, I haven't seen a line yet. Ryan, have you seen a line? No, I, I have not. I think that people were waiting for the Clark injury to be announced. If I had to guess, yeah, I would I would say Pitt would be favored by four, three and a half, something like that. Yeah, I was, I was going to say three, but yeah. Yeah. Because you probably get you probably get three for playing at home, and then at least an extra half point for the Clark injury, right? Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. It probably hasn't moved too much yet, but. Um, but I think I think you know we're gonna learn a lot about this team if they yeah. if they can come out and even if they don't win and they still play them tight, considering that they just played a two overtime game against an arch rival. Um, you know, less than 48 hours earlier. I think that that could be, uh, make us feel a little bit better about their hopes down the stretch. Yeah. The line's, the line's three and a half, by the way, Brian. Yeah. Nailed it. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's obviously a winnable game. I'd probably pick Pitt, um, but definitely a winnable game. I think it, like you said, it's going to come down. If they do play zone, it's going to come down to, to defensive rebounding and seeing if they can actually have possessions of the rebound or if they just get killed inside and, and ultimately lose. Yeah, and Pitt's a weird team because sometimes they'll just come out and not play well, right? Like against Clemson is is a team that doesn't match up with Pitt particularly well, but then Michael Young uh, shot three of 16. 
So <laughs> that'll help. Yeah, and so I, I have no idea what to expect from Pitt, um, but I it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough after coming off two days rest, double overtime game. Um, we'll we'll find out. I wouldn't be shocked to see a Buzz Williams team come out fired up for at least the first ten minutes. You know, one of those teams where they just they come out with all the energy because they know they don't have a ton, so they have to try to rack up a lead as quickly as they can. Um, I am not super confident though. Yeah, I'm, I usually don't buy into the whole the, the two day rest and the team's tired and their legs are tired, but. After playing 50 minutes and against UVA last night, and you know less than 48 hours later turning around and and playing Pitt on the road, I mean it's not going to be easy. All right, boys. Uh, I think we'll we'll wrap it up here. We'll try we'll try to get one in uh, early next week after the Louisville game. Looking ahead to see where Tech stands basketball wise uh, until we meet again.